Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 88, Crab versus Crab. Life history is the pattern of survival and reproduction events during the life of an organism. How big they get, how long they live, how many offspring they have, the habitat choices and utilizations, and can be described in terms of trade-offs. For example, offspring are expensive to produce. Do you make lots and lots of small offspring, like a dandelion or a maple tree, or a few big offspring, like a human or an elephant? Species evolve different life history strategies over time, shaped by natural selection, and what works for one organism may not work for another. There are many different ways to get your needs met, your needs to survive, thrive, and reproduce. When we talk about native or endemic species, what we're really saying is a species has evolved a set of life history strategies in conjunction with the other members of its community. One species may exert a selective force on another, and as a result, both species evolve. When the environment changes, the life history that once worked well might not work as well as it once did. And we know the environment is changing. Anthropogenic climate disruption is changing the length and thermal intensity of the growing season, the amount and timing of precipitation, and is even shaking up community composition through climate-driven migration of species. Another way the environment is changing for organisms is through the accidental introduction of new species to an established biological community. Humans have been doing that for thousands of years, sometimes on purpose, bringing important food and medicine plants and animals with them when they migrate. But more often in our modern society, this movement is accidental. In the marine environment, introduced species are rampant, in part because of the truly global nature of shipping, and in part because it's relatively easy to inadvertently transport species around on or in a ship. In episode 87, we talked about the impact of two species of crab introduced at different times to the intertidal zone in the northeastern U.S., green crabs and shore crabs. This week, I read another paper, this time about the impact of those two introduced crabs on an endemic crab, Cancer aratus, the Atlantic rock crab. And this is where the life history part of the story comes in. Rock crabs evolved the life history that has worked well for them. But as the environment has changed with the introduction of new members of their ecological community, those strategies no longer work as well. The life history of rock crabs that isn't working so well anymore is spatial variation of life stage. Rock crabs, like most crabs, have a planktonic life stage. Eggs are brooded on the parent's body, and then the young hatch and swim in the plankton, feeding for a period of time, growing and molting their tiny exoskeletons. Once large enough, they settle to the bottom and start the benthic part of their life. In the Gulf of Maine, these juvenile crabs have traditionally settled in the intertidal zone to spend the first two years of their benthic life feeding on the abundant mussels and barnacles and avoiding predation by fish and skates as they reach sexual maturity. As they age, the pattern is that they move into deeper subtidal water. This 2015 study examined the impact of the introduction of green and shore crabs on rock crabs, with particular emphasis on the intertidal phase of their life history. The study posits two reasons for rock crabs to live in the intertidal zone. Access to abundant food resources and lower predation pressure, and investigated which of these might be the primary benefit, as well as how the introduced crabs might change the evolutionary cost-benefit analysis of this life strategy. 
The introduced crabs could potentially negatively impact intertidal rock crabs in two ways. One, reduce the availability of prey for rock crabs, especially carnivorous prey, by outcompeting them for food resources, and two, through direct predation on young rock crabs. What the researchers found is that predation seems to be the more important factor. Intertidal rock crabs were still able to have reproductive success even if they had less access to food resources due to competition from the introduced crabs, but they were much more likely to be preyed upon by the introduced crabs than they were older, larger rock crabs. Spending two years intertidally can still lead to reproductive success if mortality risk intertidally is lower than subtidally, even with less food. But that doesn't seem to be what's happening. Introduced crabs exert high predation pressure on young rock crabs in the intertidal zone, which means their life history strategy of living intertidally when young is no longer adaptive. It also explains why I almost never find live rock crabs intertidally. For this species to persist, it will have to change its spatial variability life history strategy, as living in deeper water is now the more beneficial early life habitat. Luckily, evolution has a mechanism for that. Let's just hope it can happen fast enough for these crabs. This has been episode 88 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Did you know you can find this show as a podcast? Go to weru.org to learn more. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening, and join us next week.